Hi, everybody. This is Pete Worrell from Bigelow, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of the Positive Enterprise Value Podcast. Hey, did you ever notice that some private enterprises successfully transition through evolutions and revolutions in their leadership, management, and even ownership? Some end up with terrific new majority owners, the entrepreneur owner managers moving gracefully into the next interesting and rewarding chapter of their lives, surrounded by friends, their positive legacy assured, their independence powered by the fortune just realized, while others, well, others' outcomes can look different than that. Is it merely luck or is it more than luck? We think it's more than luck. For over 30 years, I've had the fun of meeting with thousands of seasoned successful entrepreneur owner managers and working closely with hundreds of them. In this podcast, I interview some of the most high-performing successful entrepreneur owner managers from both the for-profit and the not-for-profit sectors. Today, I had the fun of interviewing Jason and Amy Case. Founded by Jason Case in 2009 and headquartered in Southern Massachusetts, Case Facility Management Systems has grown rapidly to become a leading tech-enabled service provider for snow and ice management, landscaping, sweeping, and janitorial services for over 10,000 customer sites. Case FMS utilizes a proprietary technology platform and a hybrid service delivery model to provide services for both healthcare, financial services, supermarket chain, convenience store, transportation, and retail industries. This podcast was recorded on February 8th, 2022 in the home of Jason and Amy Case. I had the fun of interviewing them together as we talked about the founding of their company, the founding of their relationship and their family, all of which was widely watched since they're the ones who won the 23rd season of The Amazing Race together. So let's listen and learn from these real-life stories of Jason and Amy Case. Maybe we'll even see a little of ourselves in this interview. Hope you enjoy it. Jason, tell me, um, if you thought of your life in chapters, and Amy, chime in here. If you thought of your life in chapters, uh, what chapter is this? How many chapters in the book? <laughs> That's my question to you. <laughs> How many chapters are there and which one is this? Oh, my goodness. And maybe Amy has an opinion on it, too. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if there's a lot of chapters, really, uh, in, in many journeys. I would say maybe it's chapter six or seven, and we got a long way to go. And so what are some of the earlier chapters as you think about them and segments of your life? Well, you know, different, different, uh, I've had some really great sports runs, you know, growing up, mm-hmm. um, some awesome travel experiences, uh, uh, you know, we're on a reality show. So that was, that was probably maybe a couple chapters. What chapter was that? Oh, <laughs> it itself was a couple chapters? That may have been. That may have been. Uh, well, why the journey that? to get there yeah. and yeah. the journey actually yeah, there. There's a lot around it. You know, it was really a kind of a two-year thing. Oh, I didn't know from, that. From the, say, say a little about that. Uh, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. That's, <laughs> I know you want to ask some questions about that. Um, but then, uh, you know, obviously then, you know, through starting the business and working for a family business, uh, right. you know, my collegiate career was, was good. So, uh, then getting out of there and getting right into the family business and leaving the family business, starting this business, meeting Amy, having a family. So Maybe there's more than seven chapters. I definitely think it's way more. It's yeah. way past chapter seven. <laughs> yeah. 
I was just trying to be. They're long chapters. They though. are There's long. A lot in them. And, and what's this? And, and um, what's this chapter? What What's the title of this chapter? That we're on right now. Yeah. Um. That's a good question. I would have to say. You know, it, it may be something like the new beginning. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, we're right now we're we're going on our fifth child, so that's awesome, and we've decided we're probably we'll stop there. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and then uh, you know, so that once you kind of hit that stage, I think, well, you start focusing on some different things. I mean, especially in business life, um, you know, going through the the, the transaction. I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're we're ready to go to a different level in business, and we got some great support behind us. And uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, Bigelow was there to guide us in the right direction. So I'm thankful for that. And uh, you know, I think Amy learned a lot through the process too. And it's a big, it's a big weight off of my shoulders and her shoulders that we have some some financial freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, certainly doesn't change our day to day from a working and raising a family perspective. Right. Right. Amy, do you have anything you want to chime in on, like what chapter this is? Um, I, li- I like the way Jason characterized it, like a new beginning. Yes, I absolutely agree with it being a new beginning. As he mentioned, you know, we I'm pregnant with baby number five, and I was actually just having a conversation with a friend about how moving forward now that we know this is going to complete our family, um, and then the business transaction happening all almost at the same time. Right. The future, there's a little bit more. Um, not consistency, but the planning now changes. We're no longer in that we are uncertain of how many kids we're going to have. We're uncertain of, you know, where we're going to be next year. Like now there's a little bit more consistency with, okay, this is what we're going to do moving forward. Baby number five arrives in the summer. Um, you know, the new plans for the business and where it's going in the next five, 10 years or so. And, and the same with our family. So I think the, a new beginning is very fitting for where we are right now and where we're going. That's great. So in this new beginning for each of you, um, what are a, a word or two that you would use to describe yourselves in this new beginning? What's a noun or two that you use to describe yourself? Hmm. Oh, let's see. For me as a mom. Um, mm-hmm. Well, there's one. Yes. Well, yeah. That, yeah. that has one. been a noun that I've been <laughs> using for almost six years now. Yeah. Uh, I feel um, uh, maybe not a noun, <laughs> more descriptive words. Um, it's almost a chaotic sense of relief. Like the I've learned so much from having our first four children that I know a fifth is going to make life a little bit more chaotic because we only have, I only have two hands and add Jason's two. There's only four and, and we're definitely totally outnumbered. Um, but there's also a sense of relief knowing that we've done this yes. and every child is different and every child brings different, you know, joys and complications into our lives. But I feel like having been there four times before, it's almost like it, it gets easier. Sure. Um, sure. So there's, there's that. And then, huh. I'm struggling with this one. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, sort of refocused is is something I would consider this new new beginning to, mm-hmm. you know, to be for me. 
um, you know, support certainly in in family and in and family life and personal life and as well as business life, you know, that this has helped me refocus. I mean, sometimes when you're working and you're that driver, you get that tunnel vision. And the next thing you know, the years fly by and I have a five year old daughter and where the time go. Right. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really excited to be, you know, refocused on, on family and spending more time with my kids. Um, and I think this has allowed me or has gone and allowed me to do that. It certainly helped me sort of refocus on, on the business, uh, sort of reinvigorate a little bit of passion and drive, uh, you know, cause there's some new challenges ahead. So, so, um, I could use some words about you that would be uh, husband, father, business owner, entrepreneur, um, visionary in the industry. Um, give me a couple more. Pioneer. Uh, <laughs> vacation sounds good. Yeah, is that <laughs> one? Vacationer. Traveler. Traveler. Adventurer. Uh, Adventurer, that, yeah. There? Traveler hasn't been one that really describes us, or at least leisure. For It's, it's, it's been a... It, we went from doing so much of right. it before, you know, right. the second child to... I think the pandemic over the last couple of years probably hasn't helped that. Um, it definitely has not. And... But it's definitely something that we're both very passionate about. And our children are too, which is, which is great. So as you think about those descriptors, uh, in your case, Jason, were your parents entrepreneurs? Yeah, they were. Uh, you know, my dad was second generation in his business. Um, and, you know, building that in, in the 70s and 80s was... Uh, I don't think I actually do know that story. Oh, no? No. Uh, yes, yeah, so my grandfather my grandfather started... Um, an excavation company back in 1951. Mm -hmm. um, I think I saw some pictures yeah, on the office wall. Yeah, sort of yeah. a timeline there. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, and you know, just a salt of the earth type of guy, hard worker, came from nothing, uh, and just sort of made his way with with hard work and, and learning knowledge of equipment, mechanics, and site work and utilities as he went along. And he had five boys, or four boys and a girl. Uh, my dad was the the oldest, so he naturally sort of took the reins over from my grandfather uh, and continued to build that business. And then my father had five boys, me and my four brothers, and we sort of followed suit there, right? Um, and all participated growing up in a family business environment in, uh, in site work, construction, home building. Uh, Yet at some point you came back from college and you worked in the family business, but you took a different turn. Yeah, so... I mean, what is it? What's that? What was that about? You know, it's interesting when we work in a family business and you have four brothers. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't, it's all kind be, of you can't all be doing the same thing. And um, you're not the oldest. And I am the middle child. So, <laughs> uh, you know, there was, there was some certain, uh, certain... Certainly, we had some different divisions that was nice. We could uh, separate uh, and not have to work with each other. Just maybe, uh, you know, maybe for the same company. Uh, but I came back and sort of started a exterior landscape supply yard for my father he was always selling some aggregates or some mulch and some looms things that they recycled um, but i really took that and made it into a new business line uh, introduced brick pavers retaining wall systems um, into in a full-blown landscape supply yard right uh, and then naturally that was a spring and summer and fall uh, business line and we always did snow plowing so I managed all the snow plowing in, in the off season or in the winter months. So that was my 
year-round uh well, how did it occur to you that, oh, this snow plowing business could be actually its own standalone business? Well, that didn't occur to me right away. Yeah. I mean, it took some, you know, naturally as an entrepreneur, having that, that spirit about me, uh, you know, I, my dad always said, you got to be the smartest guy in the room, be the smartest guy in the room. And so you take that, you take those opportunities that are in front of you and you investigate, uh, you know, new methodologies on snow plowing or who does it better throughout the country? You join associations, which yeah. I did. You get involved. Yeah. Uh, you start to you know build a peer network uh, and ha- get, gain some mentors, which I had many of. Did you? Yeah. Those peer-to-peer networks were helpful to you? Uh, they were in the snow plowing environment, yeah. you know, because yeah. there just wasn't a lot of people doing that throughout right. the country. Right. So you know, as I met people throughout you know Erie, Pennsylvania, or Cleveland, Ohio, or you know even out west in Colorado, wherever they were. Um, you know, there was a lot of people that sort of mentored me, and I had some great ideas, but didn't know how to implement them. Uh, and some people were, you know, we would share those stories and share those ideas in some networking groups and, and through some organizations, that, associations that we, we joined in. And did they have significant size businesses, those, some of those people? Yeah, they did. Some of them were the biggest in the country. Some but not national? No, one of the one of the guys uh, was was national. Okay. You know, John Allen, he, was, uh, he started the snow management group. Um, and he was basically the first snow and ice national company. Uh, so, you know, I learned a lot from, from those guys. Those are the real true pioneers. I just sort of learned a lot from them and, and did a good job implementing and growing the business. And applied it to here. And applied it to Was here. anyone doing this in the Northeast? No. 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 Right. I, would, I would say we kind of came out of nowhere. You know, once, once, once I decided to leave the family business and build case snow management um it was that was another new beginning in itself you know leaving the nest wasn't an easy thing for me to do uh, my dad there was a lot of security working in that in a family business you know from you know financial strength to equipment to you know customers and so on infrastructure uh, and to start out with nothing was a was a leap of faith you know it's sort of it was scary at the time for me and was it was it also um challenging for your other family members well i think i don't know i i don't think it was challenging for them um they think you were crazy maybe they did maybe they didn't think it was going to be successful did you take away the snow plowing business from what had previously been your dad's business yeah so as we were as i was growing that landscape material supply yard yeah and you know growing that snow business um there were two different companies that were started. It was the landscape supply business, which was Case Materials. And then the snow business became, you know, a, just a separate entity, sort of a paper company that uh, my dad and I were 50% partners in. Yeah. So it was Case Snow Management. Yeah. Um, we just started, a, you know, an LLC basically. And then what happened was when I decided to leave the, the family operation, I bought my dad's 50% of shares out yeah and then went out on my own so um as you got out on your own and you thought about operating your own business i get what you say about must have felt a little scary maybe you had to go get a bank relationship borrow some money personally guarantee it that all felt scary but is it kind of what you always thought you were going to do i think so you know, maybe maybe it didn't take the road that I had visioned when I was a kid, you know, because I sort of always 
thought I would be working alongside my dad. Yeah. Um, so that's probably the only difference in, in, in the vision that I had when I was younger and managing or growing a business or, you know, creating a business. Would you think your dad was sad to see you go do that and, and leave his business? I think a lot of ways he was. I think a lot of ways, you know, he was, it was emotional for him. It was sad, but I thought, I think there was also a sense of relief there as well. Um, relief, how? Relief of Well, what? you know, having four brothers and, and yeah. uh, you know, I was sort of a... Friction relief. Yeah, there was some friction relief there, right? <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I, you, don't, you don't become successful from, you know, sitting back and doing nothing. So I was always very aggressive. Um, and sometimes that, that having that sort of culture or nature about me doesn't really drive well with others that aren't that aggressive or, you know, maybe they're okay where they're at or there's some complacency there. Things are going fine. Don't, you know, don't change what's not broke. But I was always a pusher. And, you know, I think that that sort of maybe created some friction within the family or with between my brothers and me. But, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy it worked out the way that it did. And I think my dad is too. Yeah, sometimes um, in my experience, and I've worked with entrepreneurs like you uh, for the last 40 years. In my experience, sometimes in family businesses, actually having someone do what you did actually can result in relief eventually with love and pride. That, well, first relief. Okay, Jason's doing his own thing. He was kind of pushing us a little hard anyway, so <sighs> we can take a deep breath. He's out doing his own thing. And then pride. Oh, hey, you're, you're doing it on your own. That's pretty cool too, right? So, yeah, I think there's a big sense of pride for, yeah. for all my family there. I know, I know they're very proud of what we've been able to accomplish. And, and listen, they've been a supporting network for me along the way. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, my dad supported me when we first started the business. I mean, we hired his company as sort of a, as a subcontractor and they had all the equipment and iron. So we definitely, you know, that was a great crutch for us growing the, growing the business. Um, you know, my brothers participated and, and supported me the entire journey here and they still do today. Some of, some of my brothers who work for other companies now, um, you know, they come in when they can and, and they work in, and when there's a blizzard that's happening. Right. right? So, right. and they're some of our best guys that we have. So it's, uh, you know, I appreciate that, that connection, the commitment that my brothers uh, still have with me. And I think, uh, you know, the, they haven't, they haven't went negative on the success and it's only been a positive experience, I think for everybody. And that's, that may have been hard for them at, at some times, but I'm so glad they can see past uh, any negative side of it and just see the positive side of things. And we're, we're a really close family right now. So that's exciting. It is awesome because to be able to get beyond feeling competitive and get beyond just feeling supportive and happy for yeah. each other. So jealousy so, is the root of all, of all evil, right? So, and, yeah. and I think once you're over that piece of it. Yeah. So, so um, what year was that? Roughly. So it was around, I was, geez, it must have been around 2007 that I started to exit my father's business. Yeah. And that took about a year or two. So I think we incorporated um, about 2009. Yeah. Okay. And and you said, I asked you, did you always think you're going to do that? And you said, yeah, I, I kind of did. Were you a good student? I think so. I think I was a good student. I mean... Well, it's it's objective. You either got A's or you don't well, get A's. Oh, well, I got both. I got A's, B's, maybe a three, few C's in there. But Did I you mean, enjoy school? 
I actually did enjoy school. Yeah. Um, I, I did a year of post-grad after high school. Where was that? Uh, I was at Salisbury Prep. Oh, yeah. In New Canaan, Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, that was a probably... And why'd you do that? Athletics mostly, but I also thought it was a great opportunity for me to sort of get ahead on uh, some academics prior to prior to college because I already knew I was going to play sports whether it was basketball or football in college yeah and I didn't want to go in and struggle academically and then have the you know the commitment to practice and and work on my game and, yeah that sounds uh, like good insight you know so that I, I did have some really really good uh, guidance at that time I think prep school was a huge advantage for me one athletic it gave me another year to build uh, strength and, and do better athletically yeah on top of get ahead in academics. Yeah. So that was really, plus in high school, my senior year, we won the state championship. So there was nice. There was more athletics than there was academics. Okay. In my senior year. Yeah. So, so, um, but that sounds like really good insight on your part and good. You probably got good advice or coaching about it also. And it's interesting, you know, I don't know how, if you're a senior in high school today, I don't know if you would be encouraged, if not you, a person would be encouraged mm. to get, to take that kind of time or not. It seems like it was such a good idea. You know, it was at the time, and, and, and it was an all-boys school. Yeah. So sort of... That was a good idea, too. That was a good idea. Yeah. You know, no distractions. Yeah. And you lived there, right? So right. from a... It was a campus feel, which I've never been on. You know, I went to public high school. And it was sort of a, a, a unique experience that did a lot of prepping for college. Not just academically or, uh, you know, athletically, but maturity, uh, being away from home, you know, learning how to you know, manage my own schedule or, or, you know, be responsible and have to go to class. I didn't have anybody telling me to do anything and my parents weren't around. Right. Um, so there was a lot of growth there. And I think that's a good decision for anybody that feels they're not ready to go to college just yet, but they're done with high school. You know? Did you work in high school? Did you work in dad's business? Yeah. Listen, I think that's part of my entrepreneurial spirit. I, I mean, as a lot of my friends are playing baseball or, you know, on the weekends and I was out with my dad doing civil engineering or yeah. operating equipment or, you know, in the trenches putting together sewer lines. Right. So, right. uh, you know, he raised us like that. And at the time, you know, there were times we hated it. Right. Um, but when you look back on it, you know, that really, that really developed a lot of skills. And, and I can't remember, um, did you ever have a full-time job that wasn't for the family or for yourself? No, um, not necessarily. I mean, I, when I was in college, I worked for a snow removal company. Oh, uh, yeah? And I went to uh, St. Anselm's College in New Hampshire. Yeah. And, um, you know, the company was certified maintenance, and, and Mark was the, was the owner of the company. And I'll never forget. You're still uh, in touch with Mark? I do call him from time to time. He's just a great guy. I learned a lot from his company. And when I would, in college, he would, uh, you know, I would get the call when it's snowing out. Yeah. And he said, come on in. And I'd say, okay. And I'd make more money in a night than my buddies did working whatever they did in two weeks, yeah. you know? So yeah. it was a great opportunity for me to sort of put some cash in my pocket. Were you a good employee? I was a great employee. I always worked. My buddy stayed at the bar. I went in and worked 24 hours straight. Yeah, but were you a good employee for Mark? I think so. I think I was one of his best operators, uh, oh, you know, because yeah. you don't find a lot of guys that um, off the street or in college anyways that are willing to come in, work overnight and in in, in operate equipment and have experience. Have a good skill level. Have a good skill level. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing it since I was a kid. Yeah. So naturally, once they saw me in a machine, they started elevating the level of equipment I was in and put me on some pretty high marquee sites. So um, 
and he had a great setup. I learned a ton from you know his organizational skills, his communi- the communication that they had going on. We always had these plot maps where I could understand where the snow was to be located. You know, sort of the strategy and the design around snow plowing. Uh, he had these big box pushers, which were not popular at the time. That on these, the you know, on the buckets of the front end loaders, yeah, like they have at an airport or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he was. I mean, this is going back in you know early two thousands. I mean, yeah. two thousand and one, two thousand, right? So he was really an innovator. He was ahead of his time, and I took a lot of that knowledge and I brought it back to my father's company when I got out. Of, I got out of college. Yeah, and those were some of those first strategies I implemented. I. Uh... You're in touch with Mark now, you said. Yeah. Um, so as you move from being an employee of Mark to be an entrepreneur for yourself, what was your biggest surprise about the role from going as an employee to an owner? Um, listen, I think the biggest surprise is for most people when they make that transition. Well, there's multiple transitions, right? So when you... When you start out on your own, you're everything. You're you're the worker guy. You're the finance guy. You're the sales you're the, guy. You're the, sales guy, sure. you're the estimator. Yeah. Yeah. You're the guy in the pickup truck in the field. Maintenance. So you're really you're everything, right? Right. And then as it grows, you have to learn to become sort of that jack of all trades, master of none, into becoming now I'm I'm, I'm managing people, right? So you go from just sort of a working employee to being a manager. Now, how do I delegate? How do I, you know, align employees? How do I train people? How do I build an organization? Then you go from a, as a manager to sort of um, this leadership level, right? Manager That's of like, managers. Yeah, it's like the next level, yeah. right? Now you're departmentalized. You're you're at this leadership level. You have all these directors sort of reporting to you in these different divisions of the organizations. How does that workflow process, uh, you know, relate to, you know, from the life cycle of a customer all the way through all those things you got to build. Then you become the leader to the visionary, right? Our company's at this level now, what's the future and how do you plan and build and strategize for the future? And you have to learn all those sort of steps along the way because you can't go to college and, 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 and read a book and understand how to do that. Right. You know, understand how to, you know, communicate with people well, all different walks of life, how to build infrastructure in a company that's started from nothing. Um, so it's really interesting. And I it took all those steps. And again, I had a lot of help along the way. Yeah. And uh, it was, uh, you know, and here I am today talking about the new beginning. And so when did the two of you meet? Amy picked me up. Where? (laughs) (laughs) We met in 2012. Um, Like Jason just said, uh, I picked him up at a bar in Providence. And so you'd you'd been out of dad's business and into your own business for three or four years. For a couple of years, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, he actually was out with a, a, a business associate in the snow industry who was a consultant mm-hmm. They that was in town. They had gone to dinner, and then they wanted to get cocktails after dinner, and um, that's where... The rest <laughs> is history. The rest is history, exactly. Yep. And mm. uh, Well, pretty much. I mean, we, we met, and... Uh, you know, a short, maybe three to four weeks later, we we took a trip to Paris. Um, and we took that trip to Paris. It was really after a, a heavy snow season we went through. It was brutal. <laughs> and I just needed a break. And um, 
Yeah, Amy took me to Paris. Well, we went together. We went through England and all through all through Paris and, and, and France, and it was really a great trip. It was a, quite a big change from New England. Uh, listen, wintertime. I had never really traveled before, but I was comfortable traveling with Amy. She's Miss World, Miss America, <laughs> Miss United States, Miss Earth, whatever. So she had been all over the world. So I had, there was a level of comfortability there. Uh, and there was a newness about our relationship where I was just like, whatever, let's just, I'll be spontaneous. I've never even been a, over the ocean or sure. Europe, so why not? And when we got back and, and she's like, she's a planner, right? So we did everything we could have possibly done. Right. In, everything. In, literally. And uh, we got back and she's like, oh, wow, that was just, that trip felt like being on the amazing race. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, I don't even know what that is. But, and then... She's looking it up online and she's putting in an application for us right when we got back from the trip to be on the amazing race. It happened literally like that? that yes. Was. Yes. We, um, I had planned dinner uh, at the Eiffel Tower. So while we were there, I'm in a cute cocktail dress and six-inch Louboutins. Jason's in a suit and tie. And, we had, and, and dinner was planned just in time for us to catch the sunset. So right when we were done with dinner, the elevator line was just so long to get to the top of it that the only other way we could have done it was to run up the stairs. And so we ran up the stairs of the Eiffel Tower in, you know, super dressed up. Jason yeah. has my flip cam and he's in selfie mode <laughs> recording us. And we're both laughing. Uh, people are laughing at us because everybody's walking down. Nobody goes up the stairs, <laughs> up the Eiffel Tower. And that was the video I submitted. Uh, the, the questionnaire asked, you know, in 30 or 50 words or less, describe your relationship because the show itself is comprised of uh, teams of two who have pre-existing relationships. And I wrote, I, I wrote, we met 30 days ago and this is what has happened. And it was a video of us running up the Eiffel <laughs> Tower. And then a few months later, we got a call. That's true. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And that was obviously not a plan for you. You hadn't even heard <laughs> of the uh, show. No, it wasn't planned. No. But the cool story is how we actually got on the show. So, so help me understand like the sorting process. So, like you made the application and you got accepted, but that must have been a wide sort. Then you have to get down to the show, right? Yeah, right. Yes. So you make the application, send it in. They call us, and this was probably in October, November. October, they called us back and said, "Listen, we want you guys to come out for an audition." We're auditioning in, I think it was March or February. Yeah, so they called and the first question they asked, because it had been a few months since we had submitted the video, first question that the, the guy asked was, hey, are you guys still together? Because yeah. obviously they're looking, they, they met in the spring. Yeah. We don't know if they're still together or not. So he just happened to be in the car and it was on speakerphone and we said, yes, we are. Like, we'd love to see more about you because your video didn't tell us anything. It caught up our attention. So we actually submitted a real video, um, which they sort of denied. And then we made another one and sent it back to them. And we said, you're making a mistake not having us on. Like, we will be the winners of this season. And finally, after a, a little bit of back and forth, of us not letting them get rid of us, um, they said, you know, we want to have you guys come out to L.A. for the final casting yeah. week. Sent us tickets. And the day that we were supposed to leave to go to L.A. was, I think, 2013. 13. 13. We had this couple of storms collide in the wintertime. And it was hard. It was a, the storm was called Nemo. The and it dropped 30-something inches of snow Whoops. on New England. Yep. And from literally from New York to, to Boston was just shut down. Highways, airports, public transportation, 
you know, state of emergency so everywhere. Was, guess we're not going weekend. to LA. And guess we're not going to LA, honey, because I'm in a snow business and I'm going <laughs> crazy right now. And we got a we're supposed to fly to yeah. LA that day. Um, so listen, we, we, we talked about it. We took a risk. Amy's trying to call the airlines and she's doing so what she we does. Actually, I, we talked to the, to the casting uh, team and they said, look, we have other teams coming. Uh, cause obviously we were from new England, but there's teams, there's, there's couples from all over the country that are going out and they said, you know, if you don't make it, sorry, like there may or may not be a next time. Sure. And we didn't like that answer either. And so of course, every airport North of you know, New Jersey is shut down because of the blizzard. And I called the airline. I said, look, we're supposed to be leaving out of Providence. It's not going to happen, but do not cancel our entire flight uh, because our, our connection was in Philly. Yeah. It was around 3 a.m. We packed up Jason's plow truck. Right. And we got in the Snow car. Snow plowed 95 from Rhode Island to Philadelphia <laughs> yep. to make our connection flight. It took us 14 hours, 13 or 14 hours to get there. Mm-hmm. And we made it. I think I may have, if you've, it, it, the, my plow truck still may be on the curb there because I think we just left it on the we curb. We did. We did. <laughs> Ran we in to get the flight. and We barely made the flight. Right. We, we literally had to run through the airport to make the so flight. the producers, when we landed in L.A., because it was national news, it was, you know, the, the weather event in the Northeast, they couldn't believe how we managed to navigate our way to Hollywood f- through all that, knowing that, you know, planes were shut down, airports were shut down. And, you know, we told that story yes. in front of the producers yeah. and the owner, the creators of the show. And they, I mean, they just, I think they had they to put it. us on yes. after that. It they was the like, amazing okay. race before yeah. the amazing race. Yeah. So what, um, what similarities does the characteristics it takes to win the amazing race? What similarities is it to winning in the business race? Oh, sleepless nights going 24 <laughs> seven. There's no stopping. You're always going, looking at things, uh, from different perspectives, thinking outside of the box, reading your clues, AKA reading contracts. <laughs> um, the race is just something that's, it, it's, it's very tedious. You have to be very self-aware of what you do, when you do it, creating relationships, because you don't want to be the team that everybody targets. Creating relationships with the other teams. With the other teams. They are your competition, but at the same time, especially for us, we, we're such people, per, uh, we're such, you know, people, people, yes. <laughs> I'm a people person, um, that... There were times where we knew we were going to need someone else's help. So when we could, and it was advantageous to us, we helped others as well through through the journey. Which in reality, it did turn out to be a great um, great decision. And and when you look at it in the business sense, it's those are all characteristics and that that really help in the business world. And and for us, because we had just met and our relationship was so had been so short when we got on the race that before we met, we both had been in long term relationships and and i think that at our age we were both ready for you know either forever or we're going our separate ways so right. that month of the race that we were racing around the world we really considered it a speed dating we said we're going to learn everything about each other and we're either going to love it or we're going to hate it so we knew going into the race that it was going to work out or it's not <laughs> and uh and fortunately for us we were still yeah, here no, it worked. yeah i did i mean i i would i would have to say you know, you have to be positive. I mean, those 
positive attitude will will always get you some level of success, no matter what you're in. I mean, and the negativity will follow you and it will pull you down. Uh, and so you got to have some resiliency, right, to succeed and to just push the envelope to do things that maybe you're fearful of or, you know, go out of that comfort zone. Uh, and those are all the things that the race forces you to do. You, you so, go... so business does the same thing. It forces you to be in uncomfortable situations, take risks, and you ha- the only way to get through it is with positivity and, and focus. flexibility. You have to be flexible because just like in business, you know, with, with the race, we went in with a plan. I'm the adventurous thrill seeker, adrenaline junkie. So we well, had made... didn't work, remember? No, I know. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> the plan didn't work. So we had made a decision before the race started. Anything that had to do with heights, bungee jumping, skydiving, any of that, Amy's going to be... In, like, I'm going to do those tasks. Jay, you do everything that's athletic uh, because obviously he's the, the athlete. Um, every single clue we opened that had to do with anything that had to do with heights or, or jumping off of anything... It ended up being that Jason (laughs) did it every single time. That's exactly what happened. Terrible strategy. Terrible strategy. (laughs) It did not work out in our favor at all whatsoever. But you just never know. And we managed and and he he pulled through and we ended up winning the race at the end. Um, We didn't win every leg of the race. I'll blame that on Jay too, but no. (laughs) Well, the way you two describe it though, it's fun and funny that... Uh, it's shockingly similar to being in the game of an entrepreneurial business, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Because even when you talked about your competitors, yes. and you talked about, well, but also if you could cultivate a relationship, you know, when in doubt, those people could give you a little helping hand or they might not. And mm-hmm. so it's the same way mm-hmm. in the rest of our lives. Exactly. Right? Isn't yeah. that fun? That's cool. It is. It, yeah. the, the, the relationship between the two is pretty... If you really dug into yeah. it, you could find. I can lot. tell. Yeah, I can tell you're both yeah. energized by it. Yeah. Do you um, do you uh, have any relationship with any of the other competitors today? Yes, we do, and 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 especially the years following, immediate following the race, we were super close to to many of them. As yeah. as it's been so, it's been almost nine years, yes. like eight nine years now since we ran the race, and everybody has grown personally as families, and so some of the relationships have have been down a little bit but we're still every time we go to LA we still reach out to to other team members yeah. and we try to see them but like I mentioned earlier I think the lack of travel over the last couple of years has sure. really sure. had an impact on you that. know I think there might be a book there <laughs> oh there's definitely a book oh uh, we got knocked down we, yeah. got no- <laughs> we got knocked down a lot right yeah. from the very first day within the first 20 minutes of the race we were already in the back of the pack yeah so so that was 2010 13. 13. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. So 2013. And did you get married pretty soon thereafter? 15. Yeah. So he almost got dumped again because he didn't propose for over a year. Yeah, why was that? <laughs> we won the million dollars. And then, well, actually, from the time that the race ended to the time the finale aired, it was almost six months. And we weren't allowed to say oh, yeah. that we won. Yeah. Um, we weren't allowed to say that we were even on the race for almost three months um, from when we filmed the race to when it was published, yeah. the teams were published. So no one knew that we were even on the race for a while. And then the the entire fall season into December, while it was had to be airing, quiet. we just kind of pretend. And, and we had so many setbacks throughout the race that people didn't really think we won. 
<laughs> so, so I still don't believe it sometimes. Yeah, so it, it's not like we were that team to beat. Um, we did very well. We were very consistent throughout the race. Um, we came in second place a lot. Um, but it's not like when you watch the show, you said, oh, yeah, they definitely won. So it was easy for us to keep our secret. Um, that and <laughs> and the $10 million CBS had over our head. Yeah. But um, it was it was uh, quite the journey. That's great. It's fun. So, so um, the two of you got married and then you started your family pretty much right away. Exactly. Do you think there's an unavoidable choice to be made between being a good parent and being a super successful entrepreneur? Is there a choice to have one or the other? Is there an unavoidable choice to be made between being a good parent, a great parent, and being a great entrepreneur? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't I think, think so either because look because, what you're doing. Yeah, it's it's happening. Yeah. I feel like as long as you can, and, and, and how do you and why do you think that some people would probably actually most people would probably answer yes to that question? And what do you think the difference is between how they're looking at being a parent and an entrepreneur and the way that you two are? I feel like for us it it kind of goes back to the race um, and working as a team. We learned so much about each other during the race. And one of and Jason always talks about the advantages that we had that other teams didn't. Like what? Many of the other teams had pre-existing relationships their entire lives. They were either family members or they had, you know, very long relationships. We had just met. So when we started the race, we didn't really know a lot about each other's strengths and weaknesses. Right. So we learned about each other during that month, um, which continued it kind of spilled over into our marriage life and becoming parents and so a lot of what we've done has been with that mindset of we're learning together we're doing this for the first time together versus having preconceived no uh, you know expectations of each other where we saw teams that you know well i've known you my whole life you should know this you should know how to Let's do this be honest we don't know what we're doing that's what i mean <laughs> we don't know what we're doing and we're okay with it yeah. because we have an understanding of we're going to learn through it either yeah. we're going to be successful or we're going to fail I don't know if anybody really does though i mean you kind of take it day by day with kids and yeah. You never know what you, you know what the next curveball is going to be, and, and the reality is, of course, you're right. Nobody could know. Yeah. No one's ever done it before. Yeah, right. I, I think the advantage maybe that we had is we had a tremendous amount of experiences prior to being married and during our during our engagement and and dating that we were. I was pretty much right. I had my first child at 35, I think 36, no, 37, maybe, <laughs> maybe 38. Jesus. Um, so it's not like having a kid at 23, you know, right. and I think that's yeah. a big difference, you know, if I don't know how the work balance would have been because I was all work from my twenties and early thirties, it was just work. So I didn't have time for anything else, you know, and you know, maybe that's a part of after already having some, a good foundation to build upon, you know, a good financial foundation and a business, business career that I was able to sort of have a family and do both have a better balance at, at you know later on in my life yeah if you asked me this question about you only having had this conversation for the past 30 minutes i would say one of the things i can see that you've done wonderfully well is you've integrated the two yes so rather than some people would say family over here mm-hmm. and entrepreneur businesses over here it seems to me like you've like put those together and woven those together which is 
combined with the other, your other answers, it's got to make it enormously strong. Yes. That's yeah. great. Thinking, thinking of how to make each of those facets of our lives work together and make it seamless where they both complement each other. Even just something as simple as, you know, we built our, our family home closer to the office so that the commute wasn't so, yeah. so, so hard. Knowing that Jason went, especially busy season, has very, very long weeks at the office. Sure. So it's easy to say, you know, I'm popping in for lunch. Can, so I see the kids or, or kind of be around for when the, when, when the kids are around, he is too as much as he can but little little things like that is what has i feel has made a, a big difference and and like i and, and working as a team um has really really helped so as you guys think about your kids if the choice were yours i know it's not but if it were what would you dream that your kids could become <laughs> what do we dream or what do we think already <laughs> <laughs> We've got a drama queen that's two years old and thinks she's 12. Um, no, but um, our son is obsessed with everything that has to do with animals and sea creatures and dinosaurs. So he already has told us that he's going to be a zookeeper. Super. Um, and we have an artist and then the baby, she's going to be a con artist because she has everybody wrapped around her finger. Um, but in all seriousness... I know that Jason would love, have, having grown up in a family business, he would love nothing more if one of our children follows in his footsteps and and potentially does something similar that, to what he did with, with his Yeah, it's family. a great question. Actually, it's something I never really thought about. Um, you know, I think we just want our kids to find their own way, whatever that is, uh, you know, and, and just support them along the way. Would it be great if, you know, they became you know, doctors or lawyers or, you know, an astronaut or, you know, something that business owner, business owner. I mean, I think they're going to be successful no matter what we do, because we're going to encourage that. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to watching them grow. Really. I, I really am. So, um, Jason, when, when you think about the guys that work with you, not just in the business, but other guys that you've known, as you pointed out, around been mentors or around the industry, or some of your friends or advisors, would they say that you're uh, tricky or challenging to work with? I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't know if they would say I'm challenging to work with. Uh, you know, I think. You know, I've had some really, really good advisors. Sort of. You know, help me understand that. You know, a good deal is a win-win. Right. And it's not a one sided deal. Mm -hmm. um, always do the right things, you know, build the build the company on, on ethics and and, you know, a, a good, strong foothold on, you know, the, the vision where you're headed. You got to have you have to believe in it. So um, I don't think they would they would say I'm pushy or I don't think they would say I'm a, I'm a tough business owner. Um, and because I really looked at building this business as a family business. In fact, I started the business to have more of a balance of life, right? That's why we're only a snow management company. I remember when we first yeah. met, you told me that, and I thought, that's BS. This guy's too aggressive for that. <laughs> he's gonna make this, he's gonna make this I, into the first year round snow management yeah, company. I think the first year was like that, and yeah. my CFO and I, we, we took a, we we're like, wow, this, this is what a golf course looks like, huh? <laughs> yeah. And I sort of uh, had some time off, which was nice because it wasn't the grind 24-7. But little little did we know it became that, you know. And as we made a commitment to really grow the business 
it got tougher and tougher and more time consuming, uh, you know, because you got to keep that, you got to keep feeding that monster once, once you, once you grow it and everything falls on your shoulders to get it done. So if I'm remembering the story, I might not be, you have to correct me, but if I'm remembering the story, uh, about when you started your family is also about when you started really to think about what the next chapters could be in the business, the vision for what, what could this really become, right? And you, you did some self-education, you talked to some people, you tested the waters, you thought about making the business bigger by getting another investor in maybe someday. I don't know, but you may have considered some mergers or some other mm -hmm. things. What, what would you say um, the last five years have, have taught you about the business? Man, I've learned so much over the years, uh, in the last year, let alone the last five years. Um, but the last five years, you know, what I really learned is that, you know, if you, if you really put your mind to it and you really, and you dig in, I never thought this company was going to be on a national platform. I mean, that's one thing that when we started, we were just a local, localized company. Now we're on this massive national platform. Uh, you know, servicing close to 10,000 locations across the country, some great customers and, and prospects, awesome service provider network, unbelievable team. And, you know, you learn that the possibility really exists, you know, and, and, and the more that you get out there and I was, you know, participating in this in, in national service lines, the more the realization came to me that this can happen. I can, we can really do this. So, and you start to build up this, this courageousness about you to really start pushing the envelope. Yep. Momentum. And, you know, and, and once you start get, gaining that confidence, you really start to blossom. The, the business starts to grow. And, and I learned, I, I think maybe I learned that or I experienced that when I started sort of meeting some of the people that we were competing against. And I was like, if that guy can do it, I'm better, we're better than him. We're did better, you meet them in the, in the industry associations? Yeah, some of them we did. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you started looking at other, other companies and all the people that were doing it. And you sort of, you know, you learn to adopt their strengths and avoid their weaknesses, Yes, you know, and as you grow in your company. And that's, that's why we grew really fast. What a great, uh, advantage what a great uh, thing to have to be able to have an industry association where you can do that i mean we see some of our friends and clients who have industry associations or peer to peer groups they belong to and they get a lot out of them but we probably see i think we see more that don't have that and as a consequence they're really quite isolated and actually in a slightly lonely place and because they don't know how their competitors look at the business and so it's sometimes it can be really uh uh, frustrating for them to, to play that way but then also if they do someday get a chance maybe with a new investor to think about how other people see the business they just like blinders come off their eyes they say wow it's amazing some of them yeah. just what you just said like we could actually do this because we're just as good as those guys are or better yeah, <laughs> for someone on the outside who, when I met Jason, I never even thought about, you know, it snowed, there was a blizzard, you wake up, you go outside, you start driving, the roads are plowed, play, wherever you're going, you know, it just magically <laughs> snowed, disappeared, but right. you never really think about how it gets done and who right. does it. Right. Um, and talking about like the associations and, and his colleagues, like when we first met before we, we got married, um, I was, I had the opportunity to really travel with him and get to know the industry a lot. And I think that one of the beautiful things about the 
the snow and ice industry is that because it's so um, separated distance wise that it never felt to me that in communications and in collaborations, anyone ever felt like someone else was a competitor. Yes. So Jason, okay, you're New England, you're yes. Southern New England, and, yeah. and you know, this one's in Ohio. And so that's why there was always so much collaboration yeah. because there also wasn't a lot of national companies um, where Jay thought, um, hey, you know what? I could become national versus just stay in New England. And I think that that's where he saw the advantages and the strengths of some other companies and and applied it the way that he did to become the case know that they are now. Um, so I think that that's also one of the reasons when you, when you look at these um, associations that sometimes people are just afraid to share their successes and, and their, their struggles because they're like, well, we don't want my competitor to know. That's a really, um, really great insight. It and makes so, that discussion so much more candid, mm -hmm. you know, about your, about your strengths and about your potential mm -hmm. weaknesses. Yeah. So, Jason, we've just come through this work together, you and Bigelow, and you've done this recapitalization of the business, which is pretty cool, pretty exciting, right? Um, let's see. Today is uh, the 9th of February. We're here in your home of 2022. Let's pretend it's not the 9th of February 2022. Let's pretend you and Amy and Marissa and I are having coffee on the 9th of February, 2026, four years from now. And we're sitting here and you say, Pete, remember that day you and Marissa <laughs> came down here, we did that podcast interview? And I say, yeah. And you say, you never believe it. So many great things have happened for Amy and me, personally and professionally. And I say, yeah, what, what are they? Tell me what they are. So I'm not asking you to project forward. I'm saying... We're already in 2026, and you're telling me what's happened. Yeah. I'm going to say, thank God our kids are out of diapers and can, <laughs> can feed themselves and go to the bathroom by themselves. Woohoo! That's a win. That's a win right there. Um, Everybody's sleeping through the night. Everybody's sleep through the night. Yeah. Except for Jason because he's still working. <laughs> <laughs> Except, yeah, everyone's sleeping through the night. Yeah. Except for me. Yes. <laughs> Snow's still coming still down. Still waking up at five in the morning thinking yep. about how we're going to like surpass our plan next yep. year. Yeah, exactly. I would say four years from now, we've hit, we've hit our targets from a business perspective. Um, What's gone right? What's gone right uh, professionally? You know, our strategic planning started with that. It went, you know, and we, we stayed, we, we had to course correct maybe a few times, but for the most part, we, we, we stayed on course. Uh, you know, we hit our goals and objectives and really pushed our initiatives and, and built out technology and, and, and brought in some really great, talented people, realigned some processes. Have you evolved your role? Uh, yeah, my role definitely have evolved my role. Uh, you know, I'm, it, I got out of the day to day, which was holding me back. Yep. You know, holding me back from really being that visionary of the next step I was telling you about earlier in the conversation, going from the leadership to the visionary. And, um, you know, I think that that allowed me to really focus on the business growth and you know achieve those those milestones that, that we set forth and amy what are some 
great things that have happened over the past four years. Here we are in 2026. Uh, somehow I figured out how to create Uber, so Mom Uber, um, <laughs> where I don't have to be at five places at once with all the children and all the extracurricular activities. Um, no, but really, it's just it's more of seeing our children thrive yes. in in their everyday um, academically in in are you going to be living in this part of the world? Um, we love it here. So one of the things that we haven't really shared is our love for family in our community. So Jason, like he said, he's one of five boys. Um, I have two brothers. We and my extended family is huge. Um, so whenever we get together, we are never anything less than 40 people together. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. there's, there's 14 grandkids just in the immediate family that lives within, you know, a couple of miles from each other. Yes. Um, so our children adore spending time with their cousins. We love having the brothers and, and my sisters-in-laws over, his parents, my mom. Um, so we're very much a, a very close family, very much family oriented. I host, I volunteer to host every party because it's just easy to keep my kids on their nap schedule. <laughs> um, and um, we've created great catering relationships. <laughs> so um, for us, like, I don't think we'll, we'll go very far. You know, will we want a vacation places? Yes. And hopefully everything that's going on in the world will subside soon and, and we'll be able to share the world with our children as well. Um, but I don't see us really leaving that, this, that family. Exactly. The family unit. Gravitational. Exactly. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. You know, as the children get older and they all have their own interests, I'm sure yeah. that, that we'll be going more places wherever their extracurricular activities take them, but I don't. I don't see us going very far. I don't see us not being around our family. Um, it's it's really what our roots and it really thrives everything we've done. And I think that the success that has been achieved has really been supported and cheered on by the support that we've had from our family. Yes, and actually, it goes back the other yeah, way, right? Exactly. That some of the success you have also fuels. Very that so. ability to do things with exactly because we're great? we're able to do so much with them yeah. because of it yeah um, and share in in the success and it's great I think it it when you look at a family as large as ours like right now I'm planning a trip for and, and there's literally 28 of us yeah. <laughs> without counting like my own yeah. mine and so it's just it's wonderful to share life and share success and share love with 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 family especially now it's in the last couple of years has really really kind of shifted. Um, priorities and what's really important in life and, and the memories we want to create and the legacy that, you know, you want to have. That's beautiful. To both of you, you know, there's a lot of advice given to um, young, sometimes would-be entrepreneurs. What sort of advice would you give to, let's say, someone who's smart, driven, Maybe they're graduating from college What's, and they think they want to be a, a business owner. What sort of advice would you give them? Is that me? You want to go first on that one? I think that you might have a similar answer. Surround yourself with people who know more than you do. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, that's a... That's a great start right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just surround yourself with start. those who have been there, yeah. who have done that, who have failed and have succeeded. Um, and that way maybe you fall five or six times instead of seven. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think I think that I would say just don't don't fear the unknown. Um and just keep in mind that some of the most successful people in life have failed multiple times. But the important thing was they never gave up, right? So they were always there to sort of 
continue just to, to build their organization to, to do what they believed in and that's that's sort of the advice I would give don't stop you know yeah I'd say the most successful people in life are the ones who have failed the most yeah mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and have been flexible about yeah. it yeah um, I think that you know sometimes especially now there's so you know you have to have your business plan and you have a B C D these are the things you have the steps um, but it doesn't work that way there there needs to be some fluidness to 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 creating a business to starting a business to running a business and to have a business be successful where you know there the not everything you thought was going to happen is going to happen but you can still get to that whatever level of success you want to reach just maybe not in that straight line there'll be ups and downs and and you have to learn to adjust for sure so for this part of the podcast this is my last question and I'm going to ask the question of you, Jason, but I'm going to uh, ask uh, Amy to, to chime in because she's the one who knows you best. <laughs> no. Oh, I thought we were what's, rapid fire. <laughs> what's, the one, what's the one misconception you think the people, even those who know you, may have about you that you think is a misunderstanding? Hmm. That's a good question. Um... I would have to say the misconception maybe is I'm too tough. You know, I think people think I have this hard shell around me and where maybe I don't have any, uh, you know, I'm not really sensitive to other people's feelings or situations. And, um, you know, I think really deep down, I'm kind of a softy. You know, I'm very compassionate. And, you know, sympathetic to, to a lot of things. So I think that could potentially be a big misconception. That's a great one. Amy? Um, from the outside looking in, uh, especially for those that don't really understand the day-to-day, um, I would say that a misconception is the family business that, that it was handed to Jason. That, you know, Grandpa started in 1951 and he just you know grew it to a different to where it is now and that is not the case at all the fact that he did take a risk and he did leave the comfort of the family business and went off on his own just because it says you know it case no management or case facilities management now um many may feel like you know it's just a generational thing where he didn't have to start from ground zero where he did, even though he did have the support um, and he was smart enough to go his separate way without severing the relationship with dad and, and brothers and, and everybody else. But at the end of the day, what he has accomplished has really been because he started from zero, <laughs> 12, 13 years ago. So it's not, it hasn't been easy and it wasn't something that was just given to him. Well, I, I agree with you. And I, um, anyone who listens to this podcast will know that. And I want to thank both of you so much for being so candid and sharing so much of your thoughts. And I love the family you've created and the business that you've created. And I can't wait to see what's actually in the next chapter. Yeah, me neither. Neither. I can't wait. That's not written yet. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. We believe that entrepreneur owner managers are the most powerful pro-social and pro-economic force on the planet. And it's for that reason that we dedicate our firm, Bigelow, to working exclusively with them. At Positive Enterprise Value, we freely share our learning 
so that you can absorb from the experiences of other private business owners with skin in the game, just like you. Bigelow is widely regarded as the M&A advisor that deals exclusively with high-performing entrepreneur owner-managers. Our scrappy independent boutique firm only offers one service, that is to help build and someday capture enterprise value. You can find all of the episodes on this podcast on Bigelow's website, which is bigelowllc.com.